Good morning. This is Bo Matthews, and welcome to Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. Let's Talk is a one-hour program devoted to issues and developments that are of importance to Sedalia and the surrounding communities. By committing an entire hour to a subject and many times having experts join us in studio, we will be able to delve deeper into the topic of the week and provide you with a fuller understanding of what is happening in our community. This morning's show was pre-recorded. Welcome to another Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. I'm Bo Matthews with Ron Toner and John Meehan. And today in the studio, we have Joe Ann Martin. And Ron, I believe you're going to take things this morning. Thank you, Bo, and good morning to all of our listeners. Uh, as Bo indicated, Joanne Martin is our guest today, who is the executive director of the Pettis County Health Center. Uh, we'll get into the operations of the center. There's been a lot that's gone on with the center over the last couple years with the pandemic. They've been in the news a lot. But before we get into the details of that and other things, uh, Joanne, first off, welcome. And uh, just give us a little history of, of uh, Joanne Martin. Well, thank you, Ron. Good morning, and good morning to all the listeners, and thank you for the opportunity to share information about the Pettis County Health Center. I am a Missouri native. I was uh, born in St. Louis, grew up in the suburbs of St. Louis. I'm a graduate of Afton High School, and we have a couple of claims to fame, including John Goodman. So I remember him when he was a high school student. So that's where I came from. I'm a graduate of the University of Missouri School of Nursing. Um, I also have some advanced degrees in adult and continuing education and in nursing, and I am a pediatric nurse practitioner. I've worked in a variety of uh, positions over my time. I started off as a staff nurse on the adolescent unit at Children's Mercy Hospital. I served as an assistant director of nursing for continuing education there. Uh, my husband, Turf Barton, um, I always said was a gypsy, and so we moved a lot. And so I worked um, in Birmingham, Alabama at a school of nursing, St. Vincent's School of Nursing, taught pediatric nursing there, uh, taught pediatric nursing at the University of Pittsburgh, uh, taught community health nursing at another college in Pittsburgh, taught at Westchester University, uh, worked for a program to improve health and safety in child care, moved to Europe, served as a school nurse at the American International School of Vienna, and then we came back home. And I went to work for the Pettis County Health Center, and I've been there for almost 20 years. And overlying all of that was I served in the Army National Guard for 25 years. So I have had a very varied career. I have worked a lot of different places, worked with a lot of different people, and I have seen a lot of different things in the world. I don't know if your husband's any more of a gypsy than you are, frankly, after hearing <laughs> that, uh, that, that list of, uh, of uh, occupations and, and what you've done over the years. That's, that's really tremendous. Uh, and you said you've been here with the uh, Pettis County Health Department for, what did you say, 20 years? 20 years. 20 years. I started at the health center uh, in September of tw uh, 2002 as the bioterrorism epidemiology specialist. 
And if you remember what was happening at that time was the issues with anthrax. And uh, people were very, very concerned that we were entering into a period of time where we were going to have more threats from... So that was just post-9-11, wasn't Just post-9-11, yes. And so the uh, a program was launched to provide uh, someone to track communicable diseases. And also uh, my partner at the time was Dave Clibbert, who uh, was the emergency response planner. And so... At that point in time, public health really moved into being part of the emergency response framework for counties, which was something that had not formally been identified prior to 2002. So it brought a new dimension to the work of public health. That, again, is a very interesting uh, background. So as we narrow things down here a little bit and and, uh, get into the, the... Uh, subject of our program today, which is the Pettis County Health Center. Uh, Share a little bit of the history of that organization with us. Well, way back in 1938, Miss Elizabeth Abney was the first identified public health nurse of Pettis County. And her responsibilities were to provide home visits, work with schools to provide vision and hearing screenings, provide immunizations, provide uh, STD clinics, tuberculosis treatment, prenatal care, and collect water samples to prevent disease. So she had a very interesting uh, responsibility. She served for one year and then resigned to get married. And so public health in Pettis County kind of went on the back burner until we believe about the time frame of 1959. There are some records that indicate that there were um, a couple of nurses. Uh, Mrs. Gertrude Berlin was one who was mentioned. And then there was also an advisory committee that was started to look at bringing public health to Pettis County. And so in the time frame of uh, the 1960-1961, the Pettis County Court, uh, which is what the commission was called back then, provided funding and public health began in Pettis County um, in a more formalized manner. And so the uh, public health remained under the county commission until um, 1986, at which time a ballot initiative was started, and the uh, people of Pettis County agreed to a 10-cent tax levy. Um, They voted that in, and so the Pettis County Health Center, as we know it today, officially came into uh, being in January of 1987. And it's it's a little bit confusing sometimes uh, because we're the county health department, but our name says health center, so people could get a little confused there. And people also could be confused on how we're structured and how we're governed. But if everybody looks at their tax bill, they will see a line in there for the health center. And so that makes us a political subdivision. We are governed by an elected board of trustees. And until recently, you know, we had difficulties finding anybody to run for the board of trustees because 
you know, we were the health department. Most people thought, oh, that's just the place poor kids go to get shots. They really didn't appreciate all the other things that happened at the health center. And so that may be why people, there's confusion about how our board is elected. Because under Missouri law, if you only have one person running for a position in a political subdivision, you don't have to have a ballot initiative. So that brought up a lot of confusion when suddenly the health center became the center of attention for people. But we are uh, governed by a board of trustees. They are duly elected. Three are elected uh, at one time, and then two years later, the other two are elected. And so you don't have a whole new board turnover all the time. Mm -hmm. But they are our governing body. They are responsive to the community. But they are responsible for the, shall we say, the strategic oversight of the health center. They approve the policies. They approve the budget. They make sure that we are responding to what the community feels that we need. And that they hire the administrator to run the place on a day-to-day basis. And so that's my job. Um, public health is a real interesting kind of arrangement in this state. Uh, we have independent type health centers like one here in Pettis County. We also have public health that's under county or city government. So we have a couple of different ways that organize that health centers are organized or public health is organized, but. One of the other interesting parts is we are also mentioned in state statutes, and we have um, a lot of duties that we are responsible for, and it clearly states in the state statute that the administrator of the county health department is the county health official, uh, duly appointed by the county commission. And it actually says in the state law that if the public health administrator does not do their job, they could be prosecuted. So it puts us in a very interesting position that a lot of people probably aren't aware of. So when you think of the health center today and uh, uh, what all it is involved with, with if you go out on the website uh, for the center, there are quite a few things that, uh, that you are involved with. But can you, can you kind of click down the list of the major issues that, uh, that you deal with at the Pettis County Health Center? One of the things that public health has always been charged to do from its earliest time is the control of communicable diseases. And we do that in a lot of different ways. Uh, probably the area that people are most familiar with is we provide immunizations. So that helps to prevent the spread of communicable diseases. We also have a list of what's called reportable diseases. So if someone develops one of these problems, it is required to be reported to the health department. And we call people. And we're not calling just to be nosy. We're actually calling to, first of all, make sure that the person has received care and that they are being um, treated appropriately, that they're getting better. And secondly, we always ask, is anybody else in your family ill? Because we hope to stop diseases from spreading by making sure that, that people who might be ill don't spread it along. So that's how public health actually got started, uh, was with the control of communicable disease. 
What would be an example or two of the diseases that are required to be reported to you? Oh, goodness. Um, well, obviously, the, the big ones, you know, measles, mumps, rubella, tuberculosis, uh, sexually transmitted infections. There's, there's a two-page list. But the most common things that we deal with are things such as salmonella, which is a bacteria, shigella, which is a bacteria. We s- tend to have periods of time where we have whooping cough. Um, The other thing that we deal with are tick-borne diseases, and Missouri is tick heaven. So we deal with people who've tested positive for Rocky Mountain spotted fever, for a condition called ehrlichiosis. Um, Everybody's heard about Lyme disease. Well, we have Lyme-like disease generally in Missouri, but we follow it up the same way. So our goal is to make sure that, number one, people are getting the care they need, they're getting better, and that if there's anybody else who's ill, that they are also being treated. Mm-hmm. Now, something like a tick-borne disease doesn't spread from pe- person to person. Something like whooping cough does, or meningitis, or those kinds of things. So we try to look at the people who are around someone who's ill and say, can we give them medicine to prevent them from becoming sick? Uh, do we need to look around. Do we need to talk about ticks? Do we need to do a lot of information about be careful with ticks? So, you know, periodically you hear things or see written material from the health department talking about ticks. You know, remember it's tick season. Be careful about ticks. Is it correct to say that those those issues that are required to be reported to you, uh, basically that reporting comes from the physicians and the hospital to you? Yes, that's how we generally find out is uh, we get the information either through a written report or through electronic means from the state where it's been reported to the state laboratory and then it comes back to us. At this point, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in a few minutes with our second segment of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. A reminder that Let's Talk can be heard Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on News Talk 1050 KSIS. The show can also be heard on the KSIS radio app and also at KSISradio.com. You can contact us with any comments, questions, concerns, and ideas. Welcome back to our second segment of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. I'm Bo Matthews with John Meehan and Ron Tolner, and we have Joanne Martin with us today. And, Ron, I think we're going to continue where we left off from last segment. Thank you, Bo. And, and just so our listeners know that uh, Mr. Meehan is here this morning. He's catching a few Zs over in the corner, but I think we'll hear from him at some point. Uh, Joanne, uh, I know there are a lot of additional things that the health center does. Uh, give us give us an idea of of uh, those those other services you provide. One thing that public health always does is we fill in the gaps, and so our services have changed over the years um, to meet what's the needs of the uh, community here in Pettis County. And so our programs are sort of grouped into different areas of focus. Uh, We provide services for uh, safety issues. We provide things like car seats, helmets, all kinds of things to help families keep their children safe. 
we provide um, clinical services for preventative services. We provide cancer screening for women. We provide family planning services. We provide physicals, particularly for people who are uh, getting ready to be employed. For many of our uh, folks, they need a physical before they can go to work, and they may not have the resources or a uh, family doctor they could go to, so they come to the health center, and we can provide that service at a very minimal cost for them, and that helps folks get on their way to getting a job. We provide, oh, people come in to get their blood pressure checked. They come in to help get their medications set up. They come in to, sometimes people need medications by injection. They come to see us for that. We provide just a whole range of clinical services, all focused on prevention. We provide um, blood draws for people who just want to know what their cholesterol is, what their blood sugar may be. And we provide that testing. Again, it's, it's a minimal cost. What it costs us is what, what we uh, charge for it. And then we also provide a lot of education for folks. You know, if people want to know, well, what do I do to make my cholesterol look better? What do I, can I do to help bring my blood sugar down? Um, so that brings us into our health education. So we have a health educator. Uh, we, who goes out into the community and works with a lot of community groups, a lot of different programs. We have a new program right now that is focusing on prevention for our young people to help them not get trapped into using drugs or alcohol. And so that's a new program we just started. Uh, we have another new program that we were asked by an organization that coordinates ongoing disability determinations for our veterans. And it's a real challenge to find facilities that will provide this service because, um, you know, we, we do get some reimbursement, but we have taken this on as a mission that we will help these veterans connect with the assessments that they need to address their health problems. So it just started, and it's we're, like, booked up all the time through that. Um, so that's one of our new programs. So he, let me jump in here for yeah. a second on that one. Uh, because obviously, uh, not that long ago, we had the new Veterans mm -hmm. uh, Center open here in Sedalia, just behind uh, Walmart. Right. Do you work in coordination with them for this? Actually, we get our referrals from a third party. Um, and so we do the assessment determine our nurse practitioner determines if there's been any deterioration in the in an individual's case if it's improved what additional services they may need and then send that to the third party who then has the contract with veterans affairs and then helps people get the services where they need to go okay so veterans affairs is is in this process right it's, it's just they fall in a little bit further down mm -hmm. down the line right I'm guessing that if someone approached, not, not trying to put words yeah. in your mouth, but if somebody approached the veterans group before you, we may well get to the same place when it's all said and done. Eventually, there's a whole process of people who are in the, the system for um, receiving disability through the VA, and those folks are, are in this system, and then periodically they have to be reevaluated, mm -hmm. and that's the part we're doing is the reevaluations. Excellent. So, Excellent. 
Um, that's, you know, that's kind of our clinical side. We um, also provide the Women, Infant, and Children Nutrition Program. We are the place where you can come and get birth and death certificates, which makes it much more convenient. You don't have to go to Jeff City. You can walk in, and we can print it off for you right there at the health center. And finally is our environmental health services department. And those are the folks who inspect our restaurants, inspect our lodging facilities, inspect our child care facilities, inspect our summer food program facilities. And that's the place where people go for their on-site wastewater. That was, that was the next one I was going to mention, was the wastewater yep. disposal permits. Yes, that we are the people who provide their permits. And as our county is growing, um, a lot of the growth has happened beyond the reach of a centralized sewage system. So people um, are putting in their on-site wastewater systems. And we're also the place where people go when, unfortunately, their neighbor's system may fail and they don't want somebody else's sewage running across their property. So they come to us, and if they have a complaint, then our inspectors go out and investigate it. And we try very hard to work with people to help them figure out how to stop that problem. We realize it can be very expensive, but we try everything possible to help people figure out how to correct their problem in an efficient manner. But the bottom line to it all is no one wants somebody else's sewage running across their property and we don't want sewage running into our ditches that then end up in our our creeks and our our um, rivers so it's it's a challenge sometimes people are like well well what's the problem with it you know grandpa had a straight pipe out the back of the house so why can't we well you know, if Grandpa lived in the middle of a 250 acres and sewage never went anyplace, that's, you know, one thing. But not too many people live in the middle of 250 acres in our county anymore. We're, we're getting closer and closer to each other, and nobody likes somebody else's sewage running through their property. You know, as you were going down your list of services, uh, my guess is that, for example, immunizations and the WIC program, uh, a lot of people in the public aren't surprised to hear that, or they were well aware that that was part of your all's function. But uh, I really find it interesting with the food establishment licensing, the food service employees, uh, the wastewater uh, permits that you were just referring to. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't necessarily guess that those would, you know, fall under under uh, your process, but. I think the reason is on that, I'm probably no different than a lot of people. When I hear of Pettis County Health Center, I've typically thought of the personal health side of it and not these other functions. So uh, it's good to get that out there. Right. And, you know, if you go back to thinking about it, what I said originally was that the purpose, original purpose of public health was to stop the spread of communicable diseases. So if people aren't prepared food properly, if you know, logic facilities aren't taking care of their facilities, there's the risk of spreading a communicable disease. Joanne, I can remember when uh, I served at the courthouse that uh, Shenandoah Roads and you approached me and said, you know, uh, we have restaurants inside the city limits and we have some that are out in the county and uh, not inside the city limits. And the city's, city was inspecting uh, restaurants and the county was inspecting restaurants. And they said, well, let's look at some sort of collaboration here. Let's work together where the county 
county and the city can do this under one umbrella and get the job done. Mm -hmm. And uh, with a lot of research on you and Shenandoah, you put that process together. And so now the city doesn't have to do that. That's all up to you folks to get that done, to make sure that when when we all go and our listeners go to the local restaurant, they know that the, the place has been inspected mm -hmm. and the food is, uh, is, is, is edible. Right. And that happened back in 2010. Okay. I, you know, somebody said, how long have we been doing this? And I really mm -hmm. had to go back and think about it. Mm -hmm. So I had to look it up. But mm -hmm. it was 2010 when um, the city vacated their health yes. inspection process and mm -hmm. agreed to all put it under the county. And it has definitely made the situation a lot easier. Sure. People know where to go. And so, you know, anyone could call and say, you know, I was at this facility, I was at this restaurant, and I saw something I didn't think was good, and so we take those complaints very seriously, and off we go, um, off the inspectors go to follow up, mm -hmm. and they do that all the time. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we, we follow up. We also... It's really interesting that the health center becomes kind of the 411 of, I don't know where to go, I think I have a health issue, so I'll just call the health department and they'll know what I'm supposed to do. So if people have bats, if people have bed bugs, if people have mold, if people have... I've got this question I heard on the news, what am I supposed to do? You know, oh my heavens, when they had the, the earthquake, and the title, the the uh, tsunami in Japan, our phones lit up. People were worried about the nuclear power plant that had gotten impacted in Japan, and people here were very worried. What am I supposed to do? And I spent weeks, and so did the whole staff, saying, you know, it's a really long way away. We're okay right now. You don't have to, to panic. You don't have to rush off. But that's what public health does. We, you know, where do I find food? Where do I find clothing? Where do I find this? Where do I find that? And the staff who answers the phone are an unbelievable resource of where to go to find things. And so we direct people all over the place. So, Joanne, going back to the personalized uh, uh, issues that are, mm -hmm. or the, the, the benefits that you provide, uh, as far as people qualifying for that, is there much in the way of qualification requir uh, requirements? Do you have to turn people away? We try very hard not to turn anyone away. As I said earlier, we have to pay for a lot of these services. And so sometimes we do have to, to charge people for services. Uh, we do have a sliding scale fee structure. So... Um, if people come in and they bring a uh, pay stub that shows us what their income is, then they, you know, may pay a very minimal amount, or they may pay what what the full cost of what it costs us to provide the service. But we don't make any kind of profit on uh, the services we provide. We we are very careful to make sure that we're not charging more than what it actually costs us, and so. We try not to turn anyone away. We, obviously, the the uh, residents of Pettis County are our first priority, but because we have a lot of people who 
work here in Pettis County, but may live in another county, or maybe they can't get a particular service in another county, we, we will provide service for them also. So we try to provide as much support for people who in need of service. Sometimes we will say, you know, you can get this a little closer to home in your own community, and so that's helpful. But, you know, for some of our families, for example, for our WIC families, if they work in Pettis County, it's more convenient for them to come to WIC in Pettis County than it is maybe in their own county because we provide WIC services every day and some of our smaller counties are not able to do that. So we try very hard not to turn anyone away. However, sometimes, unfortunately, you know, we do have to request some payment, but we try to work really, really hard with people. And if they say, I only have a dollar, we're like, okay, you can pay us when you get get the chance. I find that interesting, too, when you talk about helping people out of county, because, again, my assumption would have been this is a Pettis County-only function. We try to be available for for all of our community, because one thing we have learned a long time ago is that as much as we would like to say, you know, we're only going to focus on our county, we are all very interconnected. We can't say that a communicable disease is going to stop at the Pettis County line. I've tried to tell those mosquitoes, do not bring those diseases to our county. You know, I want to put up a little sign that says, West Nile, you stay over there. Those mosquitoes just don't listen. So our philosophy is we are enhancing the well-being of the residents of Pettis County by making sure that the people who come through our county are also not going to be sharing things with us that we don't want. Let's take a break. We'll return in a couple of minutes with our third and final segment of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. A reminder that Let's Talk can be heard Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on News Talk 1050 KSIS. The show can also be heard on the KSIS radio app and also at KSISradio.com. You can contact us with any comments, questions, concerns, and ideas. Welcome back to our third and final segment of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. I'm Bo Matthews with John Meehan and Ron Toner, and we're visiting with Joanne Martin today from the Pettis County Health Center. We want to give out this information if you'd like to contact the Pettis County Health Center. The phone number, once again, 827-1130, or you can go on the web at PettisCountyHealthCenter.com. Ron? Thank you, Bo. I'd like to visit a little bit now, uh, Joanne, with uh, the... um, the issue, as I put it off uh, mic, the issue that rocked your world, or the center's world, and of course that being the pandemic uh, and COVID, you know, I think what a lot of people forget is that your organization had to deal with all these things or continue to deal with all these things that we've just been talking about in this program. Uh, and then you had that lopped on top of it. Uh, a lot of stress, a lot of hours probably a lot of heartbreak in cases uh, for you guys as well. But uh, talk, us, talk to us about what you had to deal with there. When the first thoughts about the pandemic started to come about, it was a new virus. We, we meaning the whole health community, really did not know what this was going to do, how it was going to uh, impact people. And when you're dealing with something that's new, 
you don't always have the perfect information and the perfect answer for everyone's questions. So as this started and as it started to spread across the country, uh, elected officials, public health officials, we all were trying to do the best that we could to protect the people in our communities. And those were the first responsibilities that we all had. And it seemed like to our community that it was the Pettis County Health Center making all these rules. And actually, back in March of 2020, it was the governor through the director of the Department of Health and Senior Services that sent out an order that said all these things will be closed. All of these capacity limits will be in place. And as the way I talked a little bit about, you know, there are things in statute that we at the local level have to fulfill. And one of them is through our agreement with the state, we fulfill the orders of the director of the Department of Health and Senior Services, because that's what the statute says we are required to do. And so it kind of looked like we were the ones who were causing all this chaos. We were always trying to do was protect the health of the members of our community. There was so much that was unknown about the pandemic. And when people don't understand what's going on and they feel like they've lost control over what's going on, people can react in a way that spreads a lot of fear. And so what we were trying to do was to provide the best information we could based on what the public health experts in the country and in the world were sharing with us at the time and respond as best we could to people's concerns. And as in our community, as in many other communities, we kind of fell into two camps. One camp was, okay, this is serious, we have to pay attention, we have to know what's going on, tell us how we're supposed to act, what we're supposed to do to protect ourselves, and we'll listen. And then we had other folks in the other camp who said, oh, this is hogwash, this is nothing, this is no more than a cold, what's the big deal, why is this disrupting our life? We're not going to pay attention and we're going to make a lot of commentary about everything you're doing wrong. Joanne, first of all, to our listeners, if you just joined us, we've got Joanne Martin in our studios this morning at the Pettis County Health Center. Do you think that in this whole process, uh, maybe it was lack of uh, the local citizenry uh, having lack of confidence from our national leaders that made them question whether or not, you know, all the information, is it is it really factual that's coming down? Because we hear news stories every day about here, this is what's happening when in reality it might have happened similarly but not necessarily this so uh, the uh, patrons I think uh, our citizens just was not did not have the confidence in the national level decisions I think that is a very true assessment of what happened everyone was bombarded on the nightly news with this terrible thing happening and that terrible thing happening and all these kinds of things and you could look out around Pettis County for quite a while. We didn't have our first case until the 26th of March. And this started back, you know, in early January. People mm-hmm. were talking about it. And there was so much information coming out. And people were kind of looking around going, I don't know anybody who's got it. What's, what's mm-hmm. the deal here? Mm-hmm. And actually, the governor closed the schools before we had our first case in Pettis County. 
So it sort of looked like, what in the world is going on? And you had messaging at the national level, you had messaging at the state level, and we here at the local level were trying to make that sound reasonable and understandable, but every time you turned on the radio, every time you looked on your your phone, every time you went to a website, it seemed like somebody was saying something different. And you know, we think that our governor of the great state of Missouri has access to all of the information, but it could very well be that do you remain proactive or do you become proactive or do you wait and become reactive? And those had to be some really tough decisions for the governor and uh, knowing what was going on on the East Coast or the West Coast and then say, well, you know, geez, I, we're in the middle of the country. Maybe we need to be a little proactive. And, uh, and so those are just really tough decisions. It was. And everybody at every level of government and public health was struggling. There was no clear answer. We Oh, my heavens, we were, you know, you couldn't have hymnals in church because it was going to be spread that way. And you couldn't do, you know, we were sanitizing everything. And we were, oh, my heavens, we we were doing all kinds of things. And then as it evolved, we found out that was not really necessary. But it was almost like, let's do everything and then back things down. But our everything felt so restrictive and we had never dealt with anything in modern times that had restricted our activities as this did. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what upset people the most was the restriction on their activities and what they felt they could do and what was safe and what wasn't safe and who was getting what and where were they getting it and all these kinds of things. I started my career as the administrator of the health center with H1N1, and that seemed was like, oh, that was no big deal. That was a pandemic. That was in 2009. But it was something we knew. We knew the flu. We knew how to deal with the flu. We got the vaccine up quickly. People got their vaccine. It went away in the summertime. This one just, this virus did not act that way. And so all that we really had to go on was how the flu acted. And this didn't act like the flu. And we had never made any kinds of restrictions on people's movements. And that, I think, was probably what caused the greatest amount of distress among people. Thank you uh, on that, Joanne. Thank you for helping fill the blanks in for what the health center had to, to deal with that. I, I want to change this up a little bit. And, uh, you know, you've, you've already told us all of the things that you do uh, through Pettis County Health Center, which is tremendous. It also takes a great staff to get that done. Uh, and there's no doubt the Pettis County Health Center uh, is certainly not the highest paying position, uh, organization uh, in the world or in the city. So I think it's fair to say that it probably takes some passion on the part of the people that, uh, that work there, the team that you have. Uh, how, how, many, how many people are working with the health center? And, and talk to us a little, bit, a little bit about your people. The staff of the Pettis County Health Center is the most amazing group of people that anyone um, could ever have the privilege to work with. And have, it's, it's a real honor that I have the opportunity to work with this group of people every day. Um, The number of folks who work in the health center kind of go up and down sometimes depending on uh, contracts we have, funding we have. But uh, we have a nurse practitioner. Uh, We have RNs. 
We have uh, an LPN. We have a health educator. We have a prevention specialist. We have a medical assistant. And that is kind of our clinical side. And then we have uh, three nutritionists who work in the WIC program. And they have two support staff who uh, are the the folks that when people call the WIC program, they get to talk to on the phone and get their appointments set up and all of those things that go along with running a, a program. We have two environmental staff people who are full-time, and we've just added one very part-time environmental health staff person to help with the restaurant inspections because the number of restaurants in this community is growing really fast. Um, and then we have our administrative support staff who keep us all in line and keep us all going in the right direction, whom without them we probably couldn't function. And those are the uh, two folks who answer the phone the most, most of the time. Um, our support services manager, who is also our HR manager and every other manager you could think of, and a financial support person. So we really don't have a big staff. I mean, we, we basically have, you know, two RNs, an LPN, a medical assistant, a nurse practitioner, a public health manager, and, and me. <laughs> and uh, so amazingly, amazingly, almost everybody who's at the health center now survived COVID. And they didn't run out the door screaming, although I know sometimes they really wanted to. But uh, it's been stressful for them. They took a lot of the brunt of everybody's frustration and unhappiness. And uh, so they are an amazing group of people. And I hope for your listeners, if you know any of them, give them a pat on the back because they certainly deserve it. You know, uh, something we were talking about off air, and I want to make sure and get it mentioned uh, now, and you mentioned your facility. Mm -hmm. uh, just give us a real brief description of how you ended up where you are and who helped uh, in that process. Well, we are blessed that Oren Smith, who was a great forward-thinking philanthropist for our community, built our current building for us and donated it to us. So when I hear my fellow administrators talking about the cost of their building, you know, that they're paying off their building loan or this, that, the other, I just smile and I thank Oren Smith that we never had to deal with that. So uh, we're on the next to what was the uh, part of the old Whittier School. And so we're actually built over the basement of Whittier, the old Whittier School. So that was a, a blessing. And uh, Mr. Smith's requirement was that he was an east side of Sedalia person, and his requirement was that the health center be built on the east side of Sedalia. And so that's where we are, right next to Whittier School. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, another quick thing I wanted to touch on again as I was out on your uh, website, uh, and this is kind of one of those things that has certainly changed during your uh, tenure with the health center, but uh, out on the website, not only do you have information in English, there is uh, information in Spanish. And uh, to show what I don't know, it's either Russian or Ukrainian. Uh, but uh, your, your patients, your clientele has really changed over the tenure of, of you being there. Absolutely it has. Um, Pettis County is a very diverse community. And we have people who speak a wide variety of languages 
um, who live here in our community, probably folks who may not even realize. So we have been able to um, work with translators, and we help to find the ability to communicate with anyone who comes to our community. Sometimes we have to use the language line, but not only um, do we have folks who speak Ukrainian or um, Russian, which is the written language there, um, but we also have folks from Micronesian who, Micronesia who speak Chukis, and I hope I said that correctly. So that's a new uh, population that's moved in our, to our community, and we have found folks who can help us translate there too. That's all the time we have this morning. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk. Join Ron Tolner, John Meehan, and myself, Bo Matthews, every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on News Talk 1050 KSIS.